There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Phileas Club is supported by its patrons on Patreon. You can subscribe as well. Just go to the link that's in the show notes. Subscribe and help. It's a wonderful feeling for everyone. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Phineas Club. This is episode 103, and we're in January 2018. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Phineas Club. This is episode 103. We are still in January 2018, and uh, I'm Patrick Beja, and yes, we are. I managed to squeeze one last show before I actually go on paternity leave. Uh, it feels like I've been saying this for like, I don't know, three months, like this is the last show before I have to, to take a short break. But uh, guess what? It's week 41 and uh, still no sign of the baby. So I'm going to be podcasting until it actually comes out. Uh, and I'm very glad we managed to squeeze one last show uh, before the break because it gives me an opportunity to have wonderful people again on the show. First of all, um, Turkey, who ha I haven't spoken to in a couple of months. I'm very glad you're back. How's it going? I'm good, Patrick. I'm good. By the way, Manal told me to tell you that in the middle of this recording, your wife is going to tell you, let's get to the hospital. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very possible. It's uh, uh, Actually, we're really close, so it might happen. Uh, but you know, that's one of the funny things. I don't know if we discussed it um, before on, on this show, but The idea that you have to drop everything and rush to the hospital and the water breaks and like an hour later you're pushing like crazy is completely fabricated by the movie industry. And uh, in reality, it takes, well, usually it takes many, many hours, which Alison, who has actually gone through that experience, um, can tell us whether it's true or not. How's it going, Alison? <laughs> Well, everybody's experience is different, but every single person will tell you how it was for them and what you should expect because everything <laughs> they say is true. I mean, clearly it's not the common way that it goes that you actually, you know, oh my God, water breaks, quick, quick, hospital, hospital. And you're afraid it's going to be born in the, in the taxi and everything like that's, it takes hours. No. My first was 23 hours and 45 minutes, so there was a little bit of time. <laughs> and at first, it's like com contractions, uh, you know, an hour apart or something, and, you know, it takes uh, hours for it to become, like, super... I, of course, it's different for, every, for everyone, but... So, so you're telling me you want to take the chance. <laughs> well, you, the thing is, I mean, at least that's how it's been happening here uh, in Finland, they encourage you to not go to the hospital until it's really the last moment. Because if you do, you're just going to be sitting in a room where you're not comfortable in the hospital waiting for things to happen. And it's going to take possibly 10 hours or 20 hours. 
So yeah, the only exception is if if the water breaks, boom, you go in because the chances of infection get really high if you just sit around for that. Oh, actually, they they told us the sign is when you get contractions five minutes apart that last for one minute for two hours, and before that you don't even go, including if, if the water, water breaks. breaks. No, even if the water breaks. Oh, come on. Well, well, I don't think infections have changed in the 30 years since I had a baby. But <laughs> is, this, is this show this week in baby talk? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, no, it's it's an interesting uh, cultural difference because he uh, actually I'm I think the uh, uh, the uh, the rate of issues in Finland is lower than in the U.S. And there are weird things like apparently in the U.S. it's very common to recommend a C-section even when it's not necessary or when it's not absolutely necessary. Here, um, they really keep it as a last resort if really nothing's going well. Like 41, maybe even they, they start inducing after 41 weeks. And even then they try to wait up to 42. Um, so... I don't know. It, it happens differently, but I think it's pretty well known, and I'm sure some people will contradict me in the comments. It's uh, pretty well accepted outside of the U.S. that the U.S. does way too many C-sections. At least that's, you know, what I understand. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that would get us into a whole healthcare discussion of, uh, in our case, a bunch of people make money if you get a C-section. <laughs> Do you, you want know me what? to invite, invite my wife into this conversation? She's the doctor in <laughs> Yeah, but maybe we could use some actual expert opinion. <laughs> you know, at some point, we are going to have a, a conversation about uh, the experience of going through pregnancy and, and childbirth in different countries. I think that will be an interesting one. Um, so we'll keep it for another time, but um, definitely. Um, so, uh, of course, for the people who uh, are joining us for the first time, they might not know uh, who you both are. Uh, Turkey is from Saudi Arabia. Uh, so it's 6 p.m. for me. It must be 7 p.m. for you, right? Yeah. And exactly. Allison, you are from the West Coast of the United States of America. So it's early, bright and early in the morning for you. Yeah, it is. I uh, didn't go on my morning run just for you. Oh, I, I'm really flattered. Thank you very much. <laughs> Will you go afterwards, though? or? Uh, yeah, I might do a speed walk okay. instead and drag the dog along. You never know. <laughs> All right. So, uh, of course, uh, this is the show where we cover the news from the around the world. We get people, as we mentioned, from different countries and different cultures and different backgrounds. Uh, and we talk about the things that have been happening in each of our countries and uh, kind of discuss what we think uh, from where we stand and from the different places we're from. So hopefully you get uh, varying opinions on uh, the world news. At least that's what we aim for. Um, I guess not breaking tradition, I'm going to start. Uh, and uncharacteristically, I'm not going to talk about things happening in France because I've been a little bit busy with other things, you know, I have, I've had other things on my mind, but I don't think a lot of interesting things have been happening in France. So instead, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about the presidential election happening in Finland right now. And um, the, there are two things that I think are going to be interesting uh, to the international audience. Uh, first is the way it happens. And second is um, the, the, the context around it and who is probably going to be elected. The way it happens is, um, well, first of all, the president is not uh, a very powerful uh, figure of state in Finland. He's more of a Germany type um, 
government organization. So the one that really heads the government is the prime minister. Uh, the president is more of a representation uh, role, uh, that kind of thing. But um, for the, the way the elections have been happening is that there is a date for the election, which must be about a week away now. Uh, but people start voting two weeks before that, and they can vote in any post office. Maybe there are other places, I'm not sure, but at least in any post office, you can go and cast your vote in advance, and anyone can do it. Uh, initially, my wife was doing it, and I thought it was because, you know, we were in France and the, the, the uh, registration was different, but actually, anyone can do that. So it's really interesting to see that they're facilitating the vote in that way and that it's, it's actually not a big deal. And, and that's just the way the, organize, the, the organization of the elections is, is done. So, Patrick, you're saying what's interesting about that is that they make it so easy to vote that it's not like you have to go to a specific spot. You can go to any, uh, any post office. Yeah, um, I, maybe not any, but pretty much uh, from what I understand, uh, we just walked into a post office. There were voting booths in there and personnel that was trained for it. They check your ID and as they would in any, any um, voting uh, office. And you just cast your vote and you're done. And and in France, you know, we often talk about how easy it should be to vote. In France, I thought we were making it pretty easy. Uh, we always have the voting day on Sundays, which I think is a no-brainer. I know in the U.S. it's a Tuesday, which blows my mind. I don't understand why that's the case. Um, but here well, it's even better. It's okay if it's a Tuesday if they give them a holiday. Well, which obviously they but don't. But they don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so here, it's not even one day. You, I mean, technically, there is one day. Um, but then you just can vote two weeks before, and many people do that. So it was very surprising. Mm. I think it's, you know, there's no reason not to. I mean, I'm sure you could find reasons not to do it. But I think the benefits far, far outweigh the, the, the inconveniences. Um, I would uh, guess that there's a suggestion that uh, if you restrict the access uh, and the ways that you can do it, that perhaps you can better control against fraud or, you know, people take it more seriously or something. I'm sure there's some excuse along those lines, don't you think? Yeah, probably. I can imagine that would be the case. And maybe it's easier to organize in a country that has 5 million uh, people rather than, you know, 150. Um, so, sure, I'm sure there are some of those elements as well. But um Thought it that that was and, unexpected, I guess. Don't in Finland doesn't everybody have an ID? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, so the US don't have that. I know. Yeah. Well, well technically we do. I mean, well, technically, but but it's not an official ID by the federal government, is it? Yeah. Well, it's a, it, we've got a social security number that defines us. Right, but you don't have a document, a piece of paper. Yeah. Not everyone has a, a, a photo ID with them, right? Um, yeah. yeah, you have to show a photo ID in if order you to want vote. to vote. Right. But I thought that we were talking in the context. But by the way, we have three hundred twenty-three million, not one hundred fifty million. Well, yeah, okay. People, <laughs> slight difference, minor detail. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to correct you that I thought, well, that no, 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 you're right, you're right. Um, but wait, I thought there was a, an issue um, with some people requiring, uh, saying that they should be required the photo IDs to vote. And some people are saying that they shouldn't because many people don't have photo IDs in the U.S., and that was you an know, issue. Now, I know, I remember there was something about that during the last election of, but, I mean, you have to be able to prove who you are, it would seem to me. Maybe that's, 
missing yeah. an important point there. To me, to me, that is obvious. And every time I've heard that argument, you know, if, if you place me on the left side of the argument when I say, well, of course it should be a Sunday and of course it should be made as easy as possible to vote, uh, then you would place me on the right side of the argument for the photo ID thing because it, to me, it sounds inconceivable that you wouldn't have a photo ID in or that you wouldn't require a photo ID in order to vote. It's, it's, it makes no sense. So maybe it's already the case, but, um, um, so yeah, anyway, that was just the, the, the organization of it. But the other thing is, uh, the current president is probably going to be reelected. Uh, and the, the projections are about 80 to 85% uh, of the votes are going to go to him. And that is, is not something. <laughs> I think the dog has a little bit to do with it. He's, uh, <laughs> he has a, a very ugly dog that the country adores, apparently. Uh, he has a much younger wife than he is, uh, and everyone find the, the whole thing uh, endearing and amusing. Um, but the even more important thing, there are a few people who are unhappy with him because of some... He, he's originally from the right-wing party, meaning the... the um, um, conservatives uh but he's not even running in the name of his party just to make sure that he doesn't uh alienate the other guys voters um and he's done such a great job over the past six years that it's pretty much certain that he's going to be reelected. and the way he's done a great job has been um He's been very adult about things. Uh, he's sort of positioning himself as the adult in the conversation when some others are a little bit more politician and, and trying to, you know, uh, milk controversies and stuff like that. Although, keep in mind, in Finland, when you're trying to milk a controversy, it's still very much a reasonable conversation with, you know, clever people saying clever things for most of the time. Um, but... The, the one thing that will stand out, I think, to people outside the country is the way he's been handling Russia. Basically, the job of the president in Finland is to make sure that Russia, Russia is friendly, but at the same time kept at, at bay. Uh, he's had a very interesting relationship with the country, and it's sort of the the, the cleverness of the language he uses and the uh, way he discusses things you know, making sure that Russia is not, doesn't have cause to be upset is uh, a, a very, I don't know, it, it's really interesting. And it's dealing with the reality of that neighbor in a way that is ex really different from how you, you talk or think about Russia when you're a few hundred kilometers or a few thousand kilometers away. Um so, yeah, Sauli Niinisto is probably going to be reelected and reelected with numbers that are going to make one of the, the issues is it's possible he's going to get numbers higher than Putin's in the upcoming election in Russia. And so that's a little bit like at the same time, I guess Putin is going to be able to say, well, see, some other democratic countries also get numbers like those. So it's fine. It's fine. Right. <laughs> So mine's really democratic, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It proves everything. So well, how um, does that prove when the president doesn't even have any powers? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still it's not common that he, the president gets. It's still a serious election. You know, it's not like you vote for whatever. It, it's usually my understanding is that he the president doesn't get eighty percent, and and it's it's not no powers. It's just less powers than the prime minister. 
Um, it's more international stuff. So, and plus, what's the big deal? We have presidents in this region that get ninety nine percent. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're saying that the the president's job is only to deal with Russia. Well, not really. It's it's like representation and international uh, uh, relationships, uh, you know, as they do in Germany, more or less. Uh, but obviously, the importance of Russia in the you know geography okay. of the country means that uh, it's it. You know, it's it funny because seat. sorry, it takes a front seat. Right. Yeah. And and we are very much in in the zone of influence of russia you know they have the, that concept of well russia is russia but then we have like ukraine Belarusia, like finland to an extent and all of those neighboring countries that are it's kind of it's it's not inside the house but it's kind of our lawn so we can kind of do whatever we want not exactly but yeah and so Finland is part of the EU, but at the same time, part of that zone of influence. And it's the, the buffer between Russia and the rest of Europe through Sweden. And, you know, uh, the, the president is being all diplomatic. And at the same time, the government is buying, you know, tons and tons of, of uh, fighter planes to make sure that if Russia, you know, once Crimea has happened, uh, the government got rightfully so a little bit, <laughs> not panicked, but thought, we should make sure we're prepared. And the policy of, of Finland is apparently, obviously, you're not going to beat the red, beat the red, not the red, but the Russian army. But if you can make it hurt enough, then they're going to think twice before uh, coming into the country. And that's what they do. There is a fringe, of, well, a part of the population here that is very NATO, uh, pro-NATO. And there are a lot of people who are saying, we should absolutely join NATO and and uh, and make sure that Russia gets the message, which, in my opinion, it's completely unrealistic. It's like if Finland joins NATO at that point, Russia is like, "What the hell are you doing? You're you're making an anyway." It's a little bit of a wider conversation, but the president is never going to uh, agree to that. Uh, line of thinking and the government is mostly not but some people are very much taking the hard line against Russia and I think that's an unrealistic way of looking at the issues in the region but um, hmm. yeah so fun in Finland presidential election <laughs> um, so I guess we can move on to the US of A um, I'm sure, sure you have a lot of you've had a lot of fun in the past month <laughs> with what's yeah, been happening. Yeah, I, I want to set a little bit of expectation to the audience. Um, when I first started listening to Phileas Club, you know, it, any podcast I listen to, I figure, wow, I'd be a great guest for that. But my first reaction to Patrick was, no, nah, I don't know anything about politics. I don't really pay attention <laughs> to politics. I, you know, and I know it's not just politics; it's news. Um, but one of the odd benefits of the current administration, in the United States is that normal people who would never pay any attention to the to the government are paying a lot of attention now and uh we uh, my husband Steve and I are both retired and we sort of mainline CNN now um and and listen to other networks as well but we listen to a lot of news so we kind of know what's happening on a minute by minute basis and uh all of a sudden I'm understanding a whole lot more about my government than I ever did before so I am not an expert in the in the field of government law politics at all. That isn't where I'm coming from. I'm coming as a normal person 
who's studying what's going on and starting to to learn and what it means. Um, well, it's good that you're that you're making that uh, that noting it because, as you know, on the show we are all absolute experts about everything uh, concerning <laughs> politics, right? So you're going to stick out a little bit, but, you know, now that you've said so it. We covered the whole baby thing. I mean, we got that down. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, I do want, I do want to jump back to the voter ID thing because I looked it up. Um, okay. Apparently, uh, IDs are not required in all states. A lot of states don't. Yeah. And they didn't even start making it a condition until like 2006. So and and one of the things they're saying is that the kind of voter fraud that that does exist is very very small and uh it's it wouldn't be solved by IDs anyway. And it is disenfranchising yeah. they're saying it, it, the assumption is that it's disen, disenfranchising to minority groups. Which yeah, I understand and clearly there aren't any uh you know <laughs> In spite of what some people in your government are saying, there is no voter fraud, um, it, no significant voter fraud in the country. It's been studied yeah. many times. So I guess it's me being very European and saying, oh, that's the way it's done. Um, but if there's no fraud, there's no real reason to be. It's Some other Changing. things are more of a concern. Um, but yeah, it's just it, it's so obvious to us that you need a, a voter ID. But um, I mean, a, yeah. a photo ID. But um, so the other right. thing in terms of background I wanted to give you is that uh, I was born and raised a Republican. My parents were Republican. I was a Republican. Um, I, I dated a guy who was a Democrat uh, in college. And my father, well, my father had told me I could marry anybody I wanted as long as they weren't a Democrat and didn't ride a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he, he later on added, uh, uh, and they have to have a sense of humor. Those were his only three requirements. Okay. Um, I, but uh Anyway, I've been a Republican my whole life, and I uh, did not vote Democrat until Obama came along, and I voted for him both times. Um, and and this year, I stayed registered Republican because in the United States, when you um, if you can only vote in the primary election for the party to which you're you're pledged, if you will. So by being a Republican, I could vote for anyone on the ticket other than Trump. And that's what I did. Mm. I went out of my way to stay Republican for that reason. And now I'm just staying there just out of arbitrariness to see what I, you know, mm -hmm. what, what's going to happen. So, um, well, before we, we talk about the news, maybe you can tell us about, uh, you know, your thoughts over the last 15 years about that, you know, not transition, but the way you felt evolution. about the both parties. Yeah, evolutions, the way you felt about both party being a, a, a lifelong Republican, as you said, um, since you didn't vote yeah. for Trump, I'm guessing you're not super happy, but still, it's an interesting <laughs> uh, view on the on the matter. Yeah, um, I, I like to think of of myself, if not everyone, as a work in progress from a, um, a self-awareness perspective. Um, I grew up a rich white girl. Right. <laughs> so uh, my family was Republican because everything that was good for investments and for, uh, you know, for rich people, that was that was where I went. But the, the biggest thing I, I look at now is. Is that over time, it never occurred to me as a naive person that the parties would move. I thought once I was a Republican, if I was a Republican and the Republicans believed A, B and C, that they would continue to believe A, B and C. It it just never occurred to me until this year or this this past year that the party would so dramatically change what they believed in and what was important to them. 
And so, you so, know, all so that's of a an sudden, important you know, one. You think the party has changed what they believed in? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't believe we a lot of people were. Well, people are more vocally white supremacists now. Maybe they always were and they were in that party. Uh, but, you know, it, you've you've got a, a lot more discussion of religion. That was not I mean, you know, I, I could have sworn the country was was based on freedom of religion. I, I'm, I'm almost positive that was one of the reasons we started this here country mm-hmm. was to escape <laughs> religious persecution. And so what do you mean we all have to be Christians and we have to be your kind of Christian to be, you know, in the in crowd? It, you know, what does that even have to do with it? There was that whole separation of church and state thing. I remember reading about that in, in high school. Right. <laughs> And so, so now we're sitting around talking about whether you're an evangelical or not, evangelical or not. And and I don't even understand why that's part of the conversation. That wasn't that wasn't in the list of things Republicans were about, I don't think. Or maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't know. Mm. And so, so that, that that shift is what pushed you to towards a, a more democratic. I don't want even want to say view, but more of a Democrat slant or yeah yeah i mean again becoming more socially aware being able to to look at myself and say okay so all of your experiences are as a rich white girl what are what are your what are you missing that you don't understand um i think my my first moment of self-awareness was actually the results of the oj trial um i was Mm. in a room full of people listening to the to the radio if you will i worked for a company where we couldn't have tvs inside so we're listening to the radio and the people assembled, everyone was white except for one guy. And uh, he was black and uh, or non-black in the room. And uh, anyway, when the when the results came through, we uh, every single person in that room went, what? Except for one, that one black guy mm-hmm. who went, yes. And it was it was a moment that I realized that I don't understand. I didn't I didn't look down on him. I looked at, oh, my gosh, what has his life experience been that he thought that was the right answer? You know, how different is his world from mine? And it so opened up conversations just, that got very interesting. Just to make it clear, I think some of our listeners that aren't American won't know exactly what happened oh, during sorry. the O.J. Simpson trial. So O.J. Simpson was accused of murdering his, his wife and another man, and uh, uh, he was found not guilty. And every... And he's black. White friend of mine, and he's black. And every every white friend of mine believed beyond any shadow of any doubt whatsoever, even though the cops were probably corrupt in what they did, believed that he did it. And uh, but we didn't grow up in a world like my my uh, black friend did, that where you know he would constantly weird stuff happened to him because of the way the the cops would treat him just because he was black. Um, and I've, I've started to listen more to conversations about that. I listen to the SMR podcast, which is a fantastic tech podcast that also talks about social issues in the country. And uh, listening to Rob Dunwood talk about how he's been stopped uh, by the police. I, I mean, I, I'm talking like once a month he has stopped. He is a, a well-dressed gentleman, wears fancy suits. He's got an expensive watch. He drives a, a Cadillac Escalade. He has a real business job. You know, he's a smart guy. I mean, he's not doing anything to cause himself to get pulled over. And he gets pulled over once a month. And the first thing that he does when he gets pulled over is he calls his wife to tell her that he loves her. 
And, you know, you, you start realizing you really don't understand what other people's worlds are like. And that makes me look more at the Democrat side where maybe I do have to care about people who don't have as much money as I did, people who can't afford health insurance. You know, listening to you has just ruined all kinds of stuff for me from a health insurance perspective. I, had, I paid $1,100 for two pairs of glasses, one of which was under insurance. And I realized, what would I do if I didn't have insurance? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to see if I can't see. Maybe I can't get a job. So You've ruined everything. <laughs> it's, your, it's your your fault, Patrick. I blame you. I, I'm very sorry, or maybe I'm not. Um, what do your Republican? Because to me, what you're saying now, um, from what I know of the political makeup of the U.S. now, Republicans would look at you and sort of not even necessarily be angry, but even more importantly, I think dismiss you as a Democrat. So obviously that's what you think because you're a Democrat now or whatever. It doesn't even matter. Do you have friends? Um, I mean, you're in California, so obviously you're in hippie city. Um, but do you have friends that are Republicans that you butt heads with or like how's it going with people who... I, I don't really. Um, I, I have... I know three people, one relative, two friends who did not vote because they hated Hillary mm. and, you know, which was essentially a vote for for Donald Trump. Um, and I've just not really talked to them about that. You know, I want to say, see what you did, huh? Huh? See what you did. But, you know, of course, California went, went uh, for Hillary anyway. Mm. Um, but but I'm sure there's people like them in other states where it wasn't that they wanted Donald Trump. They just didn't want Hillary. And so they didn't vote. And that, you know, half as many. My understanding, if I have the statistic right, is that half as many Democrats showed up to vote in the most recent election as did in the, the where Obama won. Um, the, the Obama one. Yeah, you cut off for a second. Yeah. Sorry, okay. as the Obama one. So um, and I, I, I have never been able to get anyone to articulate what they didn't like about Hillary. I remember asking one person, I, they, I said, oh, I'm really interested. And what is it you don't like about Hillary? Because, you know, I, I really want to understand. And and she said, well, I hate her. I said, yeah, but what about her do you hate her? I hate her. And that was this art. And it was one of those things where you could tell, yeah, I'm not going to get anywhere here. So, <laughs> of course, I, you're not going to get anywhere. I hate her. <laughs> what? Why? What? Seriously, I do. I don't know. I just can't stand that woman. Okay. Interesting. So you're yeah. serious or you're turkey? Yeah, no, no, I'm serious. Okay. <laughs> Very I'm serious. If, if, yeah. I was a, if, if I was an American citizen and I had to go vote, I might have just never voted. And you there was something about her that I just couldn't take. Just hmm. like you wouldn't want to sit down and have drinks with her, so you can't vote for her? I don't know exactly. I'm just telling you because I hmm. know exactly how those people are feeling because I felt the same thing. That's, That's interesting, really, though. Yeah. Really interesting, yeah. And, and you don't really I, uh, know why. I don't know exactly why. I know I mean, there's we, there stuff I don't the like about. Yeah, there's all of the criticism we, we hear about constantly, yeah, which you can yeah, mention, but, you know, but, the Warhawk. Yeah, the, but, yeah, exactly. But but at the end of the day, it's something about her that I just couldn't stand. Mm. Okay. I mean, to be fair, you also can't stand Donald Trump. So I don't know what you would have done. <laughs> oh, come on. That, uh, there's a, it's a different Donald Trump. I can give you a complete list in details of why I can't stand him. <laughs> right. I guess that's fair. Um, okay, so... Anything else on that um, 
Well, we're that, almost done with the background, but I, yeah. I did want to talk about we had a government shutdown this last week. Of course, yeah. And and um, in the United States, a government shutdown doesn't mean the government stops doing anything. Uh, it does affect um, several hundred thousand employees, but it doesn't stop everything. It stops things like the national parks. Um, one of the most interesting things is is that the members of Congress that co- that caused this uh, shutdown they don't stop getting paid. And I've been mm. screaming at my TV every time there's been a shutdown. Why aren't they asking that question? And this week, one of the interviewers did ask the question and they're like, oh, well, you know, it's just not the way it's written. It's like, no, I think if there's a government <laughs> shutdown, you shouldn't get paid either. I mean, it, that just doesn't seem like the right way to go. Yeah. Um, what was significant about this particular shutdown, and, and it was. By the, the way, they should they should get the kind of uh, health care that other um, people get oh, as well. Yeah, just just. Yeah. Anyway, let's not. Sorry, I apologize. But yeah, yeah, no, 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 but I, no, I think I think that's an an interesting point. Um, I worked in a company where we outsourced our computing support, and uh, and I was in the engineering computing side of it. And they, because I was a big fat manager, they offered me to have like a special hotline where I would get faster service than anybody else. And I was like, no, I think I should know what it's really like. Why would you let me? And plus, I'm a manager. How important is my job? How about the person actually making the product? Maybe they ought to have, be the ones with the quick support. But anyway, um, so anyway, the, the thing that was most significant about this shutdown is it's the first time there's ever been a government shutdown when both the House and the Senate, and by the way, the president, were all in the same party. That has never happened before. So the full control is supposedly by the Republicans, and yet they couldn't bring this to, to pass. So um, the 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 thing they wanted to do was uh, the the Republicans wanted was a continuing resolution, which basically says, let's uh, fund the government for two weeks or a week or five days or whatever. And it, it's basically a way of saying, well, we couldn't get our, our act together. So let's just delay the decision. And the Democrats refused that. And um, that. The main thing they wanted to do was to pressure the Republicans to ensure that uh, the DACA kids are protected. And I'm not sure if that's been discussed in here, but it's called the Dreamer Act. I think it was put to, uh, in place by Obama. Um, it's children of uh, illegal immigrants that were brought here with, you know, through no fault of their own and have been living here for a while. And um, one of the things that the the DACA program put in place was a lot of restrictions on these children or requirements, I should say, that they had to be registered as DACA. They had to be, you know, you had to tell tell the government where you lived and everything. And now the the people who are crazy about immigration want to undo that. And now these are these are people who then, you know, gave their their home address and home information and contact information to the government and registered in good faith. And then you're going to turn around and go, okay, good. Now we know where you live so we can deport you. You know, the strange thing is something like, I don't know, more than 75 percent of people in the United States in polls want the DACA kids protected. So the Democrats had that in their pocket, but they tried to hold that hostage and did not succeed. And it ended up they ended up agreeing to a continuing resolution after all. Um, and I just use the word hostage on, on purpose because one of the things I wanted to highlight was how much better the Republicans are at name calling. They are truly, truly gifted and they have learned from the master. I mean, how many times have you heard the phrase crooked Hillary? 
right? You start saying something like that often enough, you know, socialist Patrick, except it doesn't have alliteration. You know, you say that often enough, then your first thought when you think of Patrick is, uh, is, is he's a socialist, right? Which and I take get, as a compliment, by the way. So thank you. No, no, no. It's a, it's a dirty socialist. <laughs> oh, sorry. Dirty socialist, uh, Patrick. Um, but they're so good at this. They, they did things like, um, uh, Chuck Schumer is the, um, uh, Senate minority leader. So he's the, the head of the Democrats, the senior, uh, uh, Democrat. And they started call the Republicans starting it, calling it the Schumer shutdown. Well, that alliteration is beautiful. Schumer shutdown, Schumer shutdown. Oh man, the Democrats did it. It's all the Democrats. Well, wait a minute. Republicans control everything and yet couldn't push this through. And it was so, the, the, the fault of the, of the Democrats that it happened. Why is it? that the the republicans can't push it through if they control everything do they need more than the majority for one of the yeah they need well they or? need 60 uh 60 votes and i think it's they're like 51 49 right now so if you got right. all of the republicans to In vote the they still wouldn't get it. right and, and that's well, it's I the think, senate that votes i guess or maybe you know, it's what they need I, for the senate and yeah i have lost track of when it's the senate and when it's the house mm. Okay. I keep but, thinking yeah, I have 60, 60 votes is the Senate. Definitely. Yeah, it's the Senate that has 100 seats. So, but so, okay. right. I mean, I understand you that. You guys are telling me. <laughs> but I mean, I understand <laughs> that the Republicans hold everything. And I really think it's a Republican shutdown. It's not a Democrat shutdown, as I've seen, you know, on Twitter, the hashtag and stuff like that. But they still need the Democrats to agree to whatever their uh, decision is at least in the Senate. So if yeah. the Democrats don't, I mean, I don't know that you can say it's a Democrat shutdown, obviously, but um, the Democrats... It's really a government shutdown. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, both, right? yeah, obviously, it's it's the government that is that is shutting things down, clearly. Um, and and it's because they're, they aren't managing to get... Not, it's not even getting their act together. It's they're not agreeing. Um, yeah. Well, and, and let's throw a little monkey wrench in there. Let's remember that the president gets involved in this. So uh, from what I understand, and there seems to be debate on this topic, um, the the president met with Chuck Schumer uh, on the Friday before the shutdown was going to take place. And they came to an agreement. And two hours later, uh, there was a call back to Chuck Schumer saying, no, that deal's off the table. And so uh, Chuck Schumer's famous line is that he said negotiating with the president is like negotiating with Jello. So having mm -hmm. what he thought was an agreement. And in fact, so another big contention is that uh, the president wants to build this ridiculous wall. Um, I, I just think it's a giant waste of money. But, you know, that's that's my point of view. But anyway, so there's this wall he wants to have built and he wants a physical wall to be built. And so uh, Chuck Schumer had put it on the table to say, yes, I would agree to funding of the wall. And uh, after the president backed out and after the Democrats came back and said, OK, we will agree to the to the continuing resolution. Chuck Schumer has now said, yeah, that thing about the wall, that's off the table. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they're going to make the, the Democrats look like, oh, look, they didn't negotiate in good faith because he did that. But, you know, if I give you an offer and you refuse that offer, that offers off the table in any other negotiation. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it would seem to. Yeah. Be. The, the thing that strikes me the most um which there are so many of those now, it's kind of ridiculous to even point them out. The thing that strikes me the most is how 
Trump came in saying, you know, I'm I'm super good at negotiating and I'm going to run the, the government like deals. I run my companies. And I mean, clearly he is running his government like he is running his companies, um, <laughs> which means not very efficient. Yeah. And he's going to bankrupt the country just yeah. like he, he bankrupt his business 10 but, times. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> this is yet another example of I, I don't think the Trump presidency is the end of the world. And. I think it's it's a bad presidency, but I don't if think he like presses many... that that red button. It is the end of the well, world. Well, yeah, we'll see if if that actually happens, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> then I'll, I'll eat my yeah. His bu- button is is clearly um, <laughs> bigger, but it's you know it's compensate for his small hands. But um, I, I really don't <laughs> think the, the the Trump government is the end of the world. I do think it's a bad government, um, and I do think that it's very frustrating. We're I mean. You're, as you were saying, a lifelong Republican. Well, clearly not since you voted for Obama, uh, but you were for a good portion of your life a Republican. And what is really frustrating is how much some of the Republicans are, are accepting because of whatever one issue they care about. And we've talked about this with, with Tony a few times. His one issue is um, the, the uh, um, uh, abortion problem, which he's very attached to. He considered, uh, uh, you know, unborn uh, fetuses to be life. And he's very worried about the, the, the abortions, which I disagree with, but I can understand. But the, the defense of the president and the administration seems to be predicated on, well, we're going to defend them because there's this one thing we care about. And it's really what we were talking about a few months, maybe a year ago already, how far do you go? How much do you accept in order to protect that one thing that you yeah. care about? And yeah. that's really what bothers me deep down. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I started having a conversation with a gentleman on Twitter who is a conservative who voted for Trump. And, uh, and he and I have managed to have a civil conversation every single time. Mm. And uh, it, it's been really interesting. And I keep telling him I appreciate that we're not yelling at each other. We're discussing ideas. And he's he's the only person I've found like this. And most interesting, no one else is trolling our conversation. It's all been public. It's not been DMs. And nobody's jumping in and saying one of us is right or wrong, which is also interesting. But mm. I, I hit the wall with him uh, when the president referred to African, all of the African continent as shithole countries. And excuse my French, but I am quoting the president of the United States. And I should Which say, excuse my there French, is, Patrick. There is a it. debate on whether or not he said those exact words. Uh, but yeah. I felt I should so, mention it because, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll say asshole. There appears to be a different word that starts with S that or, or, or no. Okay. It was S something, something else. Anyway, mm. um, but I couldn't get him to say that he was embarrassed or that that was a horrible thing to say. Uh, and it, it just really bothered me that he couldn't, he, the farthest he would go was dumb, not racist. President is not a racist because he has hired black people, you know, it's just, and, and I, I just, I've told him I was too sad to talk to him for a while. Cause it just really mm. like, like what you're saying, how can you put all of this other stuff aside when there's one fundamental belief that, that, that you, you have, um, you do have to throw that out. You know, you, I, I don't see how 
so much wrong can justify one thing you see as right. I think the what they would tell us, and I know, you know, it doesn't really matter that we don't have someone from that camp today because they've tell us they've told us many times, and I know that's what they would tell us, is you just the reason he thinks that was just dumb is that he actually thinks Donald Trump is just dumb, but he's not actually racist. And he's not, you know, it's not as big of a drama as uh, Democrats make it up to be because it isn't about racism. Um, yeah, that could I, be I argued, would, but... I would say beyond that, if, let's say the president isn't racist, let's say he's just dumb, throwing, you know, putting him a little higher than I would. Uh, if we say he's just dumb, what he's what he's doing, though, is he's speaking to his base that is racist, that is white supremacist, that are people that that uh, want to put walls around everything and let no immigrants in. And, uh, you know, which is just ridiculous since pretty much all of us are immigrants or children of immigrants in some way. Um, unless, uh, you know, your relatives go all the way back, you you probably are. Unless and, and, you're Native American, which the name right. implies you're native, yes, to an extent. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was meaning. So it, he is speaking to those people who do believe that and getting encouragement from those people who believe that. And and that's what's really terrifying. One, one of the things that's starting to come out, and there's there hasn't been proof of this, but uh, when Chuck Schumer and the president met and then two hours later he changed his mind, um, they, there's a guy named Stephen Miller, who's a White House aide who has very uh, anti-immigration thoughts. Uh, and they believe that he influ influenced the president in that two hours and, and stopped those negotiations. And if you start watching Stephen Miller and what he believes in, he's, he's a pretty terrifying guy. And the fact that that the president has surrounded himself by people who are racist and and uh, you know anti-immigration, it 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 almost doesn't matter whether the president believes it or not. I'm not I'm not convinced the president has any firm beliefs either way. I'm convinced that he's just doing whatever he feels like on a whim. You know, some days. Um, so th that influence is terrifying, and and it it's really starting to affect things but in a in a rare moment of optimism i i unlike you do think this is the end of the world but um <laughs> we're starting to see moderate democrats and republicans starting to get together nancy pelosi and lindsey graham uh nancy pelosi is a democrat lindsey graham's a republican lindsey graham is speaking out against the president when he says things that he doesn't think he should be saying he says so and what I don't understand is why more Republicans don't do that. You know, to say love of party over this guy saying ridiculous things and doing ridiculous things. I, I couldn't morally put myself in the eye every morning and, and say I was serving the country and, and, and just put that stuff aside. So I, I'm starting to respect Lindsey Graham for that. Um, I, think, yeah, anyway. I think the current parties are just broken. You need new parties. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting awesome. to see if there is a third party uh, next time around. I've I've heard talk of that, but it, you know maybe they're both wrong. There's there's I don't know that they're both wrong, but the system is clearly too divided, and I think it's ripe for disruption. <laughs> um, but we'll see if someone ends up uh, trying to to do something about it. I will say, however, to bring a little bit of optimism in the conversation, um, have you heard about that that uh friends controversy from a couple of weeks ago I, the word broke up the what controversy the friends controversy the tv show friends no 
Actually, we heard about it in France. I'm not sure many in the U.S. heard about it, but it was definitely the case in the U.S. as well. Um, what happened was that Friends was re-available again on Netflix, and a bunch of millennials watched it and thought it was very. It was making them very uncomfortable in in different uh, ways, uh, mostly because of its sort of soft racism and soft uh, anti-gay elements and soft i think it's exaggerated in in some respects but i also think that it's actually a good thing um that people are you know there's the the portion where um monica is made fun of because she was fat so this is like anti-fat agenda or whatever it's not really it's the fact that what brings me hope is and of course you had a lot of people saying oh, oh my god there you go again social justice warriors you can't say anything these days like it was just friends is fine and it's not it's not a problem it's not racist obviously it's not racist how could you say that friends is racist you know uh, the fact is in friends you have a, a lot of white people and never there's like two characters that are black in friends and the fact that we notice this now and the fact that some people think it's a little bit you know it's not the end of the world it's not mean it doesn't mean that friends is a horrible show it's just ah it's interesting how this doesn't we probably would include a couple of non-white characters in that uh cast or as a side character at least um in that show because it's it's a little bit weird to be doing it like this the fact that we're getting to that uh um sentiment is showing that over 20 years, things do evolve in a positive manner. We do become yeah. more oh, yeah, inclusive, yeah, yeah, yeah. more. I was just and, looking up the date. 1994 is when that show started. I, yeah. I think I said things differently 24, 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and But the fact that we, who grew up in a world where Friends was completely normal and acceptable, it wasn't even an issue. And it's not a condemnation of who we are as people that we, we liked Friends at the time. It's just how things were done. But the fact that we look at this and we see people condemning it and we say, what are you talking about? It's fine. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of that that, that those family reunions where you have that, that slightly racist uncle that says stuff, or grandparent, that says stuff that everyone goes like, oh my God, there's there goes again, you know, there he goes again, there Stan goes again. I don't know why Stan, I love you, Stan. <laughs> I'm not talking about you specifically, but you know, and it's like you have the things that you're like, oh, it's, it's fine, he's, an, he's a different generation. You know, it's it's funny you would pick the show or that that Friends is the one that's got the uh, the the that problem because I watch yeah. a lot of other shows that you look back just going, oh man, you can't. I mean, watch I Love Lucy. You know, it, well, I think Friends weird. is more recent. You know, it's our gener like I'm forty. It's my generation's show in a way. It's one of the emblematic shows uh, from that yeah. time. Well, so. me, me too. But I, uh, I actually am, am trying to hold back to, I want to defend friends to say, well, wait a minute. They had the episode where Chandler fell in love with her, even though she was fat. And then there was the, uh, you know, Phoebe's husband was gay and that turned out to be okay. And they did deal with that issue. So. Yeah. And, yeah. and Russ's, <laughs> Russ's wife is gay and, and she has oh, a yeah. great relationship with her wife and that's fine as well. Of course. I mean, <laughs> Friends is not the greatest offender 
in the world. Yeah. I think mostly it's the black thing that is a little bit uncomfortable because yeah, living yeah, in yeah. New York, having a group of friends, and there's never yeah, a black person not, around. It yeah, feels when you like said that, happen. I was going, oh, but what about... Hey, wait a minute. You're right. There wasn't anybody black. <laughs> well, that. Ross has a black girlfriend at some point during the, oh, the yeah, show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and she's a physicist, so... Or a, like uh, should, or should, should we okay reverse it, that there were shows that were all black and no white people in them? I think that's a different... It, that's a different... It, like, there are shows that are specifically targeted at the black audiences and then you get into the oh but see if they can do it then we can do it too but that's not the way it works and that's always the conversations we get into about racism and sexism it's directed towards a minority and if it's not about the minority then i think it's it's not the same issue but Right, right. I I did want to add one more thing about sure. uh, what went on during the shutdown. And this was the weirdest thing. Um, the President Trump's reelection campaign produced an ad uh, during the shutdown that that said because uh, the Democrats were against uh, the wall and, and, and wanting to help the DACA residents, that if any immigrant commits a murder, the Democrats are complicit in those murders. Okay. I mean, the most unproductive thing you could possibly have done. And that, you know, that it was just like, what, what are you doing? Why, why? Jeez. I mean, it's, it's so much childishness and, and the name calling that, that just, it's, it's not becoming of the office of, of the president. And, and I put down three things I want in a president. I want to. Does he know the elections are still three years away? Well, but but the but the the Republicans are coming up for midterm elections this year in November, and that's where they're uh, hopefully going to lose control of the Senate and the House. And so they're trying to do a lot to make the Democrats look bad right now. That's what's really going on. Um, but but I, I I wanted to end my my monologue with the three things I want in a president. I want a president who can co- speak in complete sentences and use sil- three syllable words. Okay, I want one that doesn't do name calling and I want one not surrounded by white supremacists. That's all I want. That's all I'm asking for. Seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, the three syllable word apparently seems to be the hardest part for him. (laughs) Um, All right. I I do want to add one little thing, just because we don't have a lot of the other side of the debate represented. Um, I do want to mention just for them the issue with the photo of Trump at his desk. Did you see that? No, what's the no? story with that? Yeah, the one that they looked like an idiot. Yes. Um, he had. They produced a photo of him working at his de- desk uh, in the Oval Office, and the desk was completely empty. And there was a phone, and he had his Make America Great Again hat, and he was just, you know, talking on the phone or pretending to talk on, on the phone, and the desk was empty. And that was an official White House, you know, press uh, uh, department picture. And it was posted on Twitter. And everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people started saying, oh, how can you even do this? Like, this is, this looks so dumb. Do you know anyone that works like this? And it's so ridiculous. And I even jumped on the bandwagon. I I think it was a little bit less um, uh, dismissive of it. I I was thinking, I think they do this on purpose. The desk is so empty, it's to rile up the Democrats and to increase the sort of divide because they're going to say this and then they're going to appear more belligerent. That was my theory. 
And very quickly, uh, someone uh, posted, uh, uh, someone from Europe, actually, they don't have a dog in the race. Uh, I think it was Michael, a friend of the show. Um, He posted a picture of Obama in exactly the same pause, like with the empty desk. What a ridiculous conversation. No, no. Yeah. Not the same pause, for one. Well, he was standing instead of sitting. <laughs> he was behind the desk. The desk was empty. Like, like an elegant guy. That like, looked like but a moron. But the desk was empty, Turkey. I'd, I never even looked at the desk. When I saw the pictures, I never even cared about whether the desk was empty or not. The, well, the tweets I saw <laughs> were uh, talking about the fact that he was an idiot because his desk was empty and no one works like this. And uh, the fact every that every president has a photo with an empty desk, go look through all, all the photos. Yeah, that's well, always, I've always seen the president with an empty desk. It, that that mm-hmm. wasn't surprised me at all. I well, I guess maybe I follow the wrong people because uh, well, actually, it wasn't <laughs> even people I followed. It was like retweets and stuff. But it it was for a hot minute. It was a thing, and and people were very prompt to express their the, their you know scorn for the president in that picture. And I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe we should save it for when it matters. That's Hey Patrick, I, a really smart guy I, I know said that what the problem we have right now is we're going from to outrage of 10 immediately where maybe 10 should be reserved for nuclear war and, <laughs> and one should be a paper cut. Uh, that's exactly my point. That That's the yeah, point no, I was no, making. I know it was you who said that. No, but that's, I I know, (laughs) but that's the point I was making in this conversation. It was like, it's just a photo of Trump with an empty desk. Not only does it not deserve this, but every president has it. So anyway. I I would like to pull what you said out as a soundbite and just play it once a day to myself and if not (laughs) others, because it really, really struck me. You are, you are spot on that, that, you know, my internet's down for 15 seconds. Well, I'm going to go on Twitter and complain about this, you know, and I am uh, as bad as anybody else. I'm not going to yeah. point fingers at anybody because I'm terrible about that, but I've started to think about it because of what you said. I've started to think, Hey, wait a minute. Is this really a 10? You know, maybe this is only a six and I can mellow <laughs> out a little bit. You know, this is not nuclear war. I think that is uh, makes the entirety of the existence of this show worth it. Thank you very much, Alison. <laughs> um, Turkey, anything you want to add? <laughs> anything you want to add about I don't know the government shutdown or this uh, conversation I'm in just general? Worried. You, your head, your head is big enough. Alison shouldn't be any bigger. <laughs> no, no, I'm just talking about the the U.S. Like what's being told about that in 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 I was going to say in Germany in Saudi Arabia. Uh, well, uh, not much about that. It's just normal news. Uh, government shutdown and everything. I think we're more busy with uh, all the changes in Saudi. Okay, so tell us about that. Well, let's see. It's 2018. Saudis now pay taxes. <laughs> Their gasoline went up by almost double in price. Uh, electricity went tax. up. No, we had zero taxes. State, federal, nothing. Income. Nothing. Well, the government wow. gets the, the oil money, right? And that's the yes, deal you yes. made. You're like, you get yeah. the oil money and we, you take care of everything. Exactly. Okay. And in January 1st, we fought, we started, uh, the government has issued the VAT tax, value-added tax, a sales tax, similar to sales tax in some countries. 
And it's a 5% is low, but that's the start. Mm-hmm. And on January 1st, also, we have in Saudi, we have two types of uh, petrol, uh, 91 and a 95. The 91 went up by 80% and 95 went up by 120%. Wow. And yeah. so, so I'm guessing people aren't happy, but it's happening oh, yeah. anyway. No, uh, people are uh, like, because this resulted in uh, everything going up in prices because, and uh, we also have a new policy right now. Uh, we have a lot of expats working here, especially in uh, whether they're in professional level or uh, laborers. Uh, <clears throat> and now we have a policy that for every individual who an expat working in Saudi, they have to, their employer has to pay around three hundred Saudi rials a month for each employee to the government. And if they have a family members, each member of their family has to pay 200 rials a month. Is that a lot of money or? Uh, if you add it up to, uh, let's say, $100 is around 375 rials. Okay. Yeah. So, so you get all of these expenses going up uh, and prices are going up like crazy at the moment. Uh, because the cost of uh, these businesses, the cost has increased because suddenly now they have to pay a lot of money for their employees. They pay a lot of money for the electricity. They pay a lot of money now for uh, gasoline. They also pay the VAT on their products when they buy them. So it's it's kind of interesting <laughs> right now in Saudi. Uh, it's not only Saudi, uh, VAT has been in, also introduced in the UAE, and uh, UAE also never had any type of tax at all. So that's mm. their first tax as well. So I'm guessing all of this, I mean, it's happening because the governments are being responsible and preparing for the oil money to run out, right? Uh, yeah, you can say that. It's it's one of the reasons the. Uh, most of these movements, they started when the oil crashed and went down to almost, I think, around $20 a barrel. Uh, it's up now up to $60 a barrel. So um, it's it's been a lot of changes around here, and people are just trying to adapt. Uh, the government did implement something called the citizen's account, where if you're a, a, a national, a Saudi national, you can apply for this account and specific, they have special criteria and they would pay you a monthly salary from the government to help you to cover the increases in uh, prices that hmm. you're facing. Um, what are, but what that affects a specific people. Uh, well, mostly you have to have uh, earn less than around what $7,000 a month and you have to have a lot of family members mm-hmm. yeah so the more family you have the more you get and it averages around a uh, family can get around i think it's about $500 a month 
So I'm I'm confused, and I'm sure there was a lot of reaction like this. But if if the government gets all of the oil money and they doubled the cost of the higher octane uh, gasoline, then yep. aren't they? Why do they also need all this tax money? I mean, that's an awful lot of change at once. Maybe they just want to rip the bandaid off, do everything at once, and then settle down. I uh, I think yeah, that's that's one of the reasons. It's there's been. Uh, with the current government here, movements have been too fast. The government has been pushing things very, very quickly. Uh, for example, the VAT itself, the actual setup of the VAT uh, regulations only took like four months before implementation. Wow. And they only announced it like a year before implementation that they're going to do it. I have a very uh, quick question. Um, if yeah. you thought all of these were heavy mistakes... And the government is making going down a terrible path. Could you say that? Yes, I do. Agree. I think it's it's. A, I think it's a bad idea. Okay. Right. I personally think it's a bad idea. Oh, I I, I do say it on occasion. I just okay to a limit. <laughs> okay. Um, so you uh, think, but but you don't think those are are good measures to take because to me the big. Uh, uh, worry that i always have about the the countries in the gulf is at some point the oil is going to run out and what do you do then right economically it's going to be really hard it, it seems to me it's, i understand the the, the complaining concept, but i don't ha i don't have a problem with the concept per se mm. uh, i agree with the concept itself i just don't think it's being done in the right way mm. i i don't think it's done uh, systematically correct correct i don't think time frame wise is being done correct uh it's just too fast uh, and i think it's too messy okay it so yeah. that's one of the problems things quickly though to get people uh, you know people get outraged once as opposed to continually getting outraged no but you end up with a very confused incomplete regulations because you went mm -hmm. so fast because you haven't took into everything into account Yeah, okay. most countries in the world, when they're introducing sales tax or VAT, it usually takes them three to five years before the final law is clear and regulations are issued because so, they go and re revise it multiple times. So why do they are they going so fast? Is it not to make sure that people don't complain so much that it's impossible to implement? Uh, that could be one of the reasons. I think the other reason was the low oil prices. It was kind of hurting. So they just wanted to get quickly before they start hurting financially. So mm. that's another reason. Uh, and I think they did. And in some cases, they decided not to back down at the last moment when oil prices increased because... They didn't want people to think they will back down at every moment and everything. Although the government has backed down from a few things that they were planning to do. Mm. For example, the no uh, raises were to be issued to government employees this year. And they decided, no, we're going to uh, issue the raises, salary raises. So right. it, some things they backed down, some things they decided to move forward. And, and it, it really comes down, they, they figured out which one should work and should didn't okay so it's 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 a new year it's uh it's a new saudi arabia in a way i remember it's, the uh, thing i heard you say about saudi arabia that really blew me away was when you said that concerts had become legal 
that what and have become legal? Next, concerts. The concerts? musical concerts have become legal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah. And then, we have a lot of those now. And they, have, uh, have they made it legal for women to attend yet? Oh, yes. Yes, women do attend uh, concerts. And oh, we yeah, have movie theaters. Yeah, and movie theaters are going to be opening, I think, in a month or two and so on. Um, so, How's the religious authorities dealing with all of this? Because I'm guessing they were the ones saying... The official one or the non-official one? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go with both. Official one are going along, of course. Mm. The unofficial ones are very extremely pissed. When you say unofficial and... one, you mean the same people but unofficially are pissed or the, the, the other people uh, that are not co- working with the government n- are pissed? Not, not as many of the ones who are working in the government. Some of the ones who are working in government unofficially are pissed, but officially are okay. Mm. But mostly the ones who are not working for the government, uh, uh, religious leaders and so on, who are independent are really not uh, feeling it at the moment. So mm. the religious authorities is feeling something okay have, the, have women started to drive yet or is that just come, still uh, come? no it's still coming uh, i think officially they should start driving in june or july okay i believe that's that when the, the change in one country inside of a couple of years isn't yeah. it exactly that's 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 the problem i'm having that's too much change in too short of a time do, uh, things should move a lot. I don't want them to move to very extremely slow. I just need a moderate pace. Mm. And is there a, a fear that you're going to have a blowback on all of those changes? Well, there is some people who feel that there might be a blowback, and it really comes down to what future changes are going to happen and so on. It might happen. You might get a blowback. You might not. We really, nobody really knows. And it's, it's, it's really confusing for some people here. Mm. All right. Well, um, I would like to finish this episode by saying that there is a sentiment in some portions of okay i'm talking about the us a lot of people despise the government so much that they think you know they have this sentiment that it should be out of everything and it translates into the government can't do anything and so whatever we can put anyone it doesn't really matter and they're monkeys anyway and <laughs> i think it's pretty clear when you look at things around the world and a little bit intelligently that Governments are intricate machines and you need people who know what they're doing um, to be in there, even if it's, I mean, it's obviously going to be a frustrating time for everyone because the things don't work as well as you would want and you're going to have some corruptions everywhere. It's kind of like you have racists in the country. Every, No matter what you do, you're going to have people that are racists. Well, in the government, you're going to have some people that are corrupted or that do things Definitely. that you disapprove of. So pointing to them and saying, so see, governments are crap, um, <laughs> is a very dangerous path to go down. And I think if I take the you know uh, geostationary view of the US, I think that's what's been happening. People think that governments are crap. And the this is why they're they're electing people that 
aren't qualified, that aren't the boring, um, you know, administrative person who, who has studied this, who was, you know, Hillary or people like Hillary. Of course, they're boring, but they know what they're doing. And there are some of those in the Republican Party as well. And it makes me very sad that the show has turned into... And it's not even about the show. It's about people who think governments are, you know, people who see the government the way they do in the U.S. And that's an incredibly dangerous path to go, go down. In, in let, so, let me yeah. add to that, though, that yeah. I'm glad I live in a country where I'm allowed to say if I think it's crap. Yeah, no, I obviously. I don't fear for my life if I insult the president. <laughs> Obvious, no, I mean, that's obviously, but it's almost like apples and oranges. That has nothing to do with anything you know it's uh, no you can live in a country where you think it's crap and you can't say anything of course but I the fact that you can but but you're sort of implying well you know at least we can live we i live in a country where we can say it of course i'm not talking about that you know i'm not um the, the fact that you can say it doesn't change the importance of having uh, people who understand how government works in place right Oh. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But but being able to say, uh, being able to have the freedom of speech, and, and that's starting to get questioned whether we're allowed to have that, but uh, having the the freedom of speech allows us to discuss these ideas and, and start to find where do we want the government to go? What do we want it to look like? What should our party look like? Should we have a third party? I mean, if you can't speak, you can't have these conversations and you can't help improve it by voting for who you want to vote for. Of course. You know, I've been thinking a lot about order and and chaos and the the empire and the rebels and all of those implementations of basically strict uh, or, uh, authority versus uh, freedom. And maybe that's a, a long conversation that we should have at another point. But there's something to be said about... I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. But I think we, we look at uh, the, the Empire in Star Wars as the winners. And the winners are the scrappy rebellion. And so we're, we're casting a light on the Empire of Star Wars that is a little bit darker than it actually was. It, it, <laughs> because it happened, of course, in a galaxy far, far away. You know, that's, that's what I mean. Um, I'm not saying the Empire is a good thing, but it's not as bad as we make it out to be. It's a very complicated <laughs> path that I, I will go down one day. There is something really uh, interesting in there. I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, there's something there. And I think ultimate freedom is anarchy. And so wishing for a more centered organization is not the worst of things sometimes. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm, I'm alluding to things and not I, explaining I, I watch Star Trek, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair, yeah. enough. Uh, how about, fair enough. How about a lighter note? Sure, please, yes. Do, do uh, the, end up Saudi on. Arabia now has the largest camel festival in the region. That I don't and... know if... I can say the things that come to my mind uh, because that might <laughs> right, be insensitive. So, <laughs> um, okay, all right. Congratulations on that victory. <laughs> yeah. Was there wait, a lot of countries fighting for it? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So the largest camel festival, in the, I think maybe in the world, 
And part of the camel festival, they have a, a camel pageant. Ooh. All right. And 12 camels have been disqualified from the beauty contest <laughs> because their owners, because their owners improved them with buttocks. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, that is epic. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, I, you know what? It's not more... I don't know if, you know, dogs and page, pageant contests are having the same issues, but it's not more ridiculous than that, is it? Uh, 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 do you pay for a dog about uh, a million dollars? I'm sure some people do. Patrick, I think it's clear you need to bring someone in to to for, with an opposing view to turkeys on this trip. <laughs> so is but is that a common thing? Like obviously you 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 know you still have uh, people that leave a little bit more uh, tribally. Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. So yeah, camels are huge. We have right. a lot of people. Camels like the prizes in this festival total almost fifty seven million dollars. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so people actually follow some people actually follow the camel pageant pageant um, oh yeah if you go right now to that area you will find that area completely crowded and people spending millions and thousands of dollars and it's not and it's not only a pageant it's a festival so they have okay. camel racing they have breeding they have pageants they have uh, camel milk tasting and that's so okay um so is it like uh, uh i don't know i have a hard time in, in, in envisioning how it plays in a city like Riyadh. like do people oh, make fun in, of it or is it yeah, no 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 i understand it's not in Riyadh. no no i understand but i mean what do yeah. you think of it in a city like Riyadh? is it, it like depends. Oh, cool. it depends on the person you talk okay. to you could talk to like someone like me and some of my friends and they say this is just stupid and then you can go to, if you talk to a Bedouin guy, he would right, say, obviously. oh, yes, amazing. I want to go and see these camels. So I think it really comes down to who you talk to. Yeah. Even in the city. To, it, to me, it seems like, uh, you know, maybe us thinking of people getting excited about uh, uh, tractors and, and agriculture <laughs> equipment and probably some people looking at us when we get excited about some new, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, storage technology or like new hard drives or SSD. And we're like, oh my God, look at this graphics card. It's so fast. And some people look at us and they're like, what are yeah, oh, exactly. those geeks? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Camel geeks, I'm sure as, are fi fine people as well. And that is going to be it for our uh, episode. I'm really glad we got to do this and we managed to... Uh, to do one before um let me let me ask okay we're still fine we're still fine okay okay um but so we're gonna be uh, uh closing the show we're gonna be uh probably not coming back until the end of next month i'm guessing we'll see how things go uh, but before we do that uh can you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet guys guy and gal uh let's start with turkey well you can find me on twitter at uh, turkey alvala t-u-r-k-i-a-l-b-a-double-l-double-a -L -L -A. 
Perfect. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Allison, what about you? You can find all my podcasts at podfeet.com. That's P-O-D-F-E-E-T.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Excellent. Um, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find the show at frenchspin.com. You can also uh, find the Patreon page at patreon.com slash the Felix Club. And in case you don't know, um, you can support the show through uh, Patreon and you can find the link in the show notes. You just go there, create an account, decide how much you're going to be giving per episode, and uh, that's it. You're done. You're contributing to this uh, show. If you think we're bringing something to the world, maybe consider doing that. There are a few hundreds of you doing it already, and I am eternally grateful for your support. If you want to uh, help us out another way, maybe talk to, uh, to your friends about the show. Maybe let them know that it exists, that it might be worth listening to, and that sometimes we say things that are not completely useless, um, so it might be worth their time. Uh, I know my guests <laughs> always say things that are incredibly useful. Uh, me, not so much. So, yeah, especially so me. <laughs> exactly. You, I didn't want to name you to not embarrass you because <laughs> you're so modest, but uh, if you're going to say No, that, I'm not. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening uh, we will be back in a few weeks and uh, yeah things are going to be interesting until then at least for me and I'm sure congratulations for and good luck well it's not done yet so but thank you <laughs> <laughs> alright talk to you soon everyone bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.